The year was 2010, August 2010 to be precise. 33 workers from the San Jose gold and copper mine in Chile were hard at work when at approximately 2 p.m. a cave-in occurred, trapping them deep inside of the mine. Conditions underground were tough. There was very little food among them. And the supply of emergency rations that they had available were really designed to last two days. So sometimes they'd just take meals maybe every other day, once every other day. And at one point, the miners were down to eating just one can of tuna per day. And that was supposed to stretch for 33 of them. So the trapped miners uh, obtained water from a spring and from radiators, which they needed dearly because, of course, it was hot and humid. It was a balmy 95 degrees. There was a whole team of experts working together to try to rescue these miners. They had mental health specialists to NASA scientists working above ground. By July 23rd, the people working were able to send more supplies to the miners, including uh, things like nutrient gel, more water. They had calm devices. And these were fed through little holes that they had drilled down to reach the men. And eventually, they passed more solid food to them as well as first aid supplies and even things like exercise routines and lights. And late on the night of October 12th, a rescue worker was lowered into the mine inside of a capsule and they were finally able to start lifting the miners up one by one to safety above ground. One by one, they were lifted out of the dark earth into the light of day by a team of people working day and night to set them free. The miners in that Chilean mine experienced deliverance from literal darkness, deliverance from a situation that without some kind of intervention could have ended quite tragically. When we're in the dark like those miners, we can't see everything, right? That's pretty obvious. But when we have light, we can see. The miners were plunged into darkness on that fateful day of the accident, not knowing what was going to come of them, they didn't know what to expect. And those 33 miners and their loved ones, they received an unexpected gift that day, the gift of rescue. A rescue that came after 69 days in the mine. So maybe we ourselves have felt at times like we're trapped and we need help. We're in need of rescue. And in the Gospel of John, we can read about this idea of a light shining in the darkness. And it reminds us even of the early acts of creation when God said, let there be light, and there was light, where the earth had been without form and void and darkness over the face of the deep. And throughout history, darkness, like the kind the miners would have experienced during their ordeal, has been used as an allegory for lack of knowledge, lack of wisdom. And maybe today we find ourselves in a place where we feel like we lack knowledge or wisdom to navigate life. Or maybe there's a particular situation, and we just don't know how to handle it. We may not even know the truth, the full truth of the matter. We feel stuck. It might even feel dark, and we can't see. What are we to do? And so my hope today is that we'll find some answers to these questions as we dig into our text. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word that shines light in the darkness. Thank you that you are the light of the world. Won't you come illuminate our understanding of your word today and give us peace. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So today we're looking at the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 9 to 14 in particular. And these verses are keys to unlocking some special gifts to us this Christmas morning. And let me just take a moment to say Merry Christmas. Yeah. So how many of you have already opened some Christmas presents? Okay, yeah. So did any of you have any wish lists too? Christmas list? I see a couple of you. You're too embarrassed to admit it. <laughs> okay, I know more of you have lists. All right, have you received a gift that wasn't on your list? Yeah. Okay. Well, if not yet, I'm sure you will. Maybe you will. It's fun to make lists, right? But it's also fun to receive unexpected gifts that aren't on our list, especially if there's something really cool that we hadn't thought of for ourselves. So this morning, I'd like to focus on three gifts that this passage unlocks for us. And perhaps these gifts were not on any of our Christmas lists this year. And these gifts are ours to receive because Jesus came as a baby to this earth, sent by God, born of Mary. And there's a fancy word for that. It's called the incarnation. It's when Jesus took on flesh and lived among us. And based on this text, a very key idea seems to surface, and it's this. Through the incarnation of Jesus, we can know truth, we can discover belonging, and experience God's glory. Three unexpected gifts for all of us this morning. So first, Jesus enlightens our understanding so we can know truth. He begins by shining the true light, bringing us out of our lack of understanding into a place of knowing. What do we come to know? We come to know truth. And we understand this concept of truth from an earlier part of the same chapter in John. It says, in the beginning was the word. And the Greek word or concept here is logos. And the word was God and the word, and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made and in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. The message version of the Bible puts it this way. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And this notion of the logos, God's truth, the word made flesh, is a huge distinction that John is making. And by saying this, John is differentiating between a type of truth that's ethereal versus having an absolute truth, a definite and knowable truth in this distinct person of Jesus Christ. And this would have been amazing to the Greek philosophers at that time. Logos is a Greek word that we might describe as reason, word, speech, or principle. And in Greek philosophy, it related to a universal divine reason or the mind of God. So it not only deals with human reason, a mind which seeks universal understanding or harmony, but it also deals with an idea of universal intelligence, some kind of ruling force governing the cosmos. So for the Gospel of John to connect this Greek concept of logos with the nature and existence of God as incarnate in Jesus Christ, this is a landmark event. John wants to help connect with the readers of the day, who are mostly Greek, and introduce Jesus to them as God. So today I think it's safe to say that if you ask most people, they'll say they know what truth means. They'll say they know at least some things to be true. Some might even describe that truth to be relative, right? A truth that maybe shifts based on some variables. That there's no such thing as absolute truth that can be known at any one particular time. 
But as we read this Gospel of John, that line of thinking is challenged as we come face to face with something or someone quite extraordinary. So suddenly we have the idea of God's word in the flesh. Truth is physically tangible to those around him. The world and all its worldly wisdom looks at Jesus. And those who physically interacted with Jesus while he walked on the earth literally touched him. They gazed on him with their eyes. And John is saying here, see Jesus. He is this truth that you are seeking in the flesh. See and believe. You ever hear that old saying, they couldn't see it if the truth was staring them in the face? In Jesus, truth stared humanity in the face as God clothed in flesh, Jesus incarnate. And only as John points out, not everybody did receive him. So even though people may say they want to know the truth, I think it's safe to say we aren't always ready to receive the truth or the whole truth. And sometimes that truth does come in unexpected ways. It's revealed in unexpected ways. And we know that God's word is the truth. And thanks be to God that we can know truth as divinely revealed to us through God's word. And we can see the word. We can see the truth in an amazing bodily form as Jesus in the flesh. What a gift. Second, because of the incarnation of Jesus, I can become a child of God. I can become part of God's family, which means I belong to him. So through Jesus... I discover a wonderful second gift. I discover belonging. For a variety of reasons, some of us might struggle more than others to feel like we belong. But I don't want us to feel bad about that because Jesus came face to face with rejection and he persevered in the face of it. Let's remember, Jesus was Jewish, not Christian. I know that comes as a surprise to some. The scripture says that Jesus came to his own and his own did not receive him. So talk about a lack of a sense of belonging. When the people you belong to won't even receive you. They didn't accept Jesus. So have you ever shown up to a party uninvited? (laughs) Maybe you heard about the party from a friend and you showed up, right? Everybody else is going. Um, Maybe the hosts let you into the party, right? Uh, But you started to feel like you just didn't belong. You didn't feel welcome. Or maybe you're going out clubbing with your friends, uh, and you get in line, and you get up to the door, and your name's not on the list. So you're not allowed into the club at all, right? You don't even get to feel like you don't belong, because you're not even let inside the door. It is not this way with God's family. In verse 12, we read, But to all... Who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So when we receive Jesus, we acknowledge him as God's only son. We put our faith in him, knowing that little baby Jesus would one day grow into a man to one day willingly lay down his life for sinners. And the Bible says we are all sinners. None of us is perfect. But through Christ, we find forgiveness for sin, and we become adopted into God's family through Christ's righteousness, through his finished work on the cross, dying once and for all. So remember here, Scripture says all who receive him can become his children. 
The Bible talks about us being born of God. So you see, when we put our faith in Jesus, we become new creations. We're born again, not to a human again, of course, right? That's silly. But born of the Spirit, born into God's family. When Nicodemus asked that question to Jesus later on in the same Gospel of John, we're in chapter 3 though, Jesus said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we become God's children, heirs of the promise, children of the Most High. That's all possible because of the incarnation of Jesus. Because if Jesus didn't come in the flesh, there would be no flesh for him to sacrifice, right? No blood for him to sacrifice that fateful day on the cross of crucifixion. So thanks be to God that Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross so that anyone, all, who receive him may be forgiven of their sin, washed clean, and be adopted into God's family where they discover belonging. Lastly, because I can know God through Jesus, I can experience God's glory. John says in verse 14, And the word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So there's an interesting parallel here to another showing of God's glory. Back in the Old Testament, the glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. And on the seventh day, he calls to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. That was in Exodus 24, 16. And then later in Exodus 29, 45, we read, Then I will dwell among the Israelites and be their God. So dwelling with his people, that's God's MO, right? That's his mode of operation. Our God is a God who dwells with his people. That's why we call him Emmanuel, God with us. So this idea of God with us is amazing in and of itself, but there's even more going on here. Not only is he with us, but he is glorious. What kind of glory? It's a glory full of grace and truth. We've seen it. And there's something interesting about God's glory. We know that even Moses could only look at God's back when God's glory, his manifest presence, passed by. God told him no one could see his face and live. Moses risked sudden death from the overwhelming nature of God's glory when he asked to see it. God's glory made more, we could say, than just a tiny ripple in the world through Jesus' incarnation. I would say God set off a huge tidal wave of glory when he created Jesus, knitting him in Mary's womb. And then when Jesus was born, the world could literally see Jesus, literally see God's glory in their arms and in their midst. So I don't know if anybody watches the show World's Wildest Weather. We watch this at my house. Okay. So there are those moments when you're watching those people on the video and they're like wading out into the storm. Maybe you've seen this on the news broadcast too. It's stormy and they're wading out into the sea. And they, some people I've seen, they actually tie themselves off with a rope to like, don't do this, this is not good. Um, but they t- I saw this one group, uh, one video where they, a couple tied a rope around their waist, tied it to a bridge and then walked out into the ocean and these huge waves were crashing over them. They didn't want to get swept off in the current. Well, I imagine God's glory like a giant wave, but I think maybe a giant wave doesn't even capture it. So I think of God's glory maybe like a huge tsunami wave, right? His glory is so great that a puny rope like those two humans were using in that video wouldn't hold up under that kind of power and glory. 
So now imagine that kind of power and glory all tucked into one beautiful swaddled bundle, right? The baby Jesus. For humanity to even be able to behold God's glory in the face of a baby should be mind-blowing to us. By sending Jesus as a baby, it's as if God was giving us a chance to begin to embrace the message of the gospel by literally embracing the baby Jesus. God allowed his one and only son Jesus to be cared for by mere mortals. Consider that thought for a moment. The divine glory of heaven in the arms of mortals. I don't know if you've had the pleasure of kissing a baby lately. Some of us have welcomed new babies into our lives this year, new grandbabies, cousins, sisters, brothers. And I know personally I've had the pleasure of my own little one who loves cuddles. And I do wonder sometimes why God sent Jesus as a baby in particular. This royal king, the prince of peace, born a baby. And I wonder, did Jesus giggle when Mary kissed his feet? Didn't God know exactly what he was doing? To turn the world upside down, God brought all of his glory, his tidal wave glory, and put it into this little cuddly babe. Can you just imagine what that would have been like to cuddle with Jesus? It's unthinkable. He's royalty, right? King of kings. You can't put royal Jesus on a throne, though, and just leave him there. He needed to be held, rocked, and embraced. What an image for us today as we consider our own relationship with Jesus and with the glory of God. So what does this mean for us, these three unexpected gifts? To know truth, to discover belonging, and experience God's glory. How are we going to receive these gifts today? So I asked before if you've ever received a gift that isn't on your list. You still have the gift, right? What are you going to do with it? It wasn't on your list, so you might want to return it. Maybe you're going to just throw it away. I don't know. Regift it. You could put it on a shelf until you figure out what to do with that gift. I've met some people who don't even feel worthy of receiving gifts. Or they'll say they're not exchanging gifts for environmental, environmental reasons. There are social reasons. Lots of reasons why people don't want to exchange or give gifts. But this morning I have good news for us. These gifts, uh, to know truth, discover belonging, and experience God's glory, will not drain your bank account. They're not going to harm the environment. And they're not going to take up room on yourself. So as we consider how to receive these gifts this morning, we need to ask ourselves some questions. When we have questions of life, where are we turning? Maybe we need wisdom to see the truth of of a situation, to see what's going on behind the scenes. Maybe we think we need a supernatural intervention, so we might turn to something quick like a fortune teller or tarot cards to try to find some answers. Maybe we Google some random phrases online. And that might start to feel good to us until the advice we receive stops working or fails completely. And those types of approaches all miss the mark, and they quickly lead us astray when it comes to finding legitimate and ultimate truth. God's word, Jesus incarnate, is the true light that illuminates our understanding and gives us true enlightenment to all of our senses so that we can know God's truth and have real wisdom and understanding to navigate those dim, dank caves and craggy, dark spaces of life. 
What about when we feel lonely? Where are we turning? Some of us might turn to other people to fulfill our natural desire for a sense of belonging, and that's fine, and that might feel really nice, actually, until they hurt our feelings or disappoint us in some way. We need people. God's designed us to be in community and in relationship with each other, but people alone are not going to fulfill that deepest sense and desire for belonging. God, though, does not disappoint when it comes to the sense of belonging. And in Scripture, we have this deep expression of closeness and belonging from the Song of Solomon. It says, I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. And maybe it's not other people or relationships that we turn to for that sense of belonging. Some of us turn to sports, right, sports teams. And that feels really great uh, until our team starts losing games, making bad plays. But God's team will never lose. Because through Christ, our victory is secure. When the Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthian church, he says, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. When we want to be wowed, when we're looking for a powerful, out-of-this-world tsunami kind of experience, where are we turning? Maybe we turn to the world of entertainment, fantasy, illusion. It's natural to crave excitement, even like an adrenaline rush, a sense of something bigger and better than what we've ever known. And so we look for maybe the next great thing, the next video to stream, the next fantastic stunt, until our favorite title stops producing books in our series, or sequels to the movies we love, or our favorite actor or actress passes away and we start to lose a sense of wonder and awe, we lose that sense of the things beyond ourselves. But God is always glorious. God is always amazing, and he will never leave us. Remember, God is with us. So beholding God's glory in Christ is the truest way of beholding glory and truth. There's no one else like him in the entire universe. Beholding Jesus is to experience the transcendent, and any other experience seeking is going to fall short of God's magnificence and his glorious presence. In Hebrews 1.3, we discover that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. We cannot just behold God's glory, but we can embrace God's glory as one might have embraced Jesus in those early months of life as a baby swaddled in the manger. We don't have to wander around in the darkness anymore like those Chilean miners stuck in their predicament before they were rescued and lifted to safety above ground. Or like a lost world in darkness before the advent of their deliverer, Jesus Christ, the true light. God's glory manifests in Jesus Christ. Praise God. We can call out to Jesus for rescue. He can do it. He's able to lift us out of our darkness into his glorious light. 
And as people who put their faith in Jesus, we are children of God. We belong to him and he to us. And we can rejoice today as sons and daughters of God, celebrating the good gifts of God, knowing truth, discovering belonging, and experiencing God's glory, however unexpected these gifts may be.